thing about coming here was winning a championship. And that's what I'm here to do and help with. And um, being a teammate of Tom, that's what he's about. Playing football at the highest level, practicing football at the highest level, and obviously the expectation and standard is championship um, each and every year and each and every day. So I was excited to have that opportunity, and uh, that's what I'm playing for at this point in my career. I think the first text message was eyes, like the eyes. You know, like, what's going on? And then, um, uh, you know, I was just like, uh, we was talking, but it was like inside, inside talking. And I was like, come get me. And he was like, I'm, come trying. And the next thing you know, it happened. So. I'm in the MIA. I'm in the MIA. Yeah, if you told a Chiefs fan that two days ago, they'd say Troy Kittle is MIA. Unbelievable turn of events over the past couple of days, Shereen. When we did this show on Tuesday, we were guessing about the next crazy thing that could occur in the NFL. Yeah. No one would have had Tyree Kill getting traded to the Dolphins on any imaginable bingo card, but that's the NFL. And the only thing strange about today is there really wasn't any earth-shattering news that happened between 9 a.m. Eastern when PFT Live ended and 5 p.m. Eastern when PFT PM began. But we have a full hour for another shoe to drop. A lot of shoes have been dropping this month. Well, and Mike, I've told that story a lot that you came on the show and said, what's next? And not anticipating what was next. So the next question remains, what's next? Because you feel like there's going to be even more dominoes to fall. I've done this since 1994, and that was the first year of unfettered free agency, Mike. I've never seen anything like this. I remember Rich McKay, who was then the Buccaneers general manager, always using the phrase, the NFL is the no trade league. Well, that's not true anymore. The NFL is the trade league, and it's great for business, and we love it. So keep trading teams. Just keep doing it. And a point that I made yesterday, today, and I want to just mention one more time. The Rams are in large part responsible for the mindset that teams have where they're willing to part yeah. with significant draft pick compensation, get a veteran player now, and pay that veteran, even though you could use the draft picks on much cheaper players but you need to have two camps you need to have the teams that are willing to part with draft picks and bring in a veteran player and pay him a lot of money and you have to have a team that is willing to give up a veteran player and say you know what we'll take the draft picks we will avoid the responsibility of 72.2 million fully guaranteed over three years as a practical matter and we'll move forward and we'll go get some future Tyree Kills or some future Matthew Staffords or some future Devontae Adams or whatever the case may be. And as long as you have teams in both camps, the, the ground is very fertile for this kind of activity, plain and simple. You got to have teams in both camps. If they all want to trade, won't happen. If none of them want to trade, won't happen. We have right now a critical mass, I think, of teams willing to do it, Shereen, and we have plenty of teams willing – to send the veteran players, and it all comes together, and hopefully it continues. It sure, yeah, you, you have to hope so, Mike, from, from our standpoint, because it's fun, and it's fun to see these players change teams. I know fans, fans of teams, for instance, the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill, aren't happy today, but that is the nature of the NFL right now. And don't worry, Chiefs fans, you'll get some more players, and you'll be happy at some point again because your team will do something to make you happy again. I mean, it's just going to be this vicious cycle of teams trying to obtain talent over and over and over again, Mike. Who would be the, the biggest name that you would be surprised to be traded or that you would anticipate could be traded? I mean, like a Kyler Murray maybe could happen. I mean, is there any name out there you think that, that could possibly happen yet this offseason? Murray is the one that I keep mentioning, and yeah. we're going to talk about him later in the program. I mean, it would take something like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, somebody that we thought wasn't yeah, going agreed. to be traded, getting traded, to, to surpass what we've seen so far. I mean, there are very few untouchable players in the NFL. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, 
Justin Herbert. Is that it right now? Are those the only three untouchable players? It'd be hard for the Raiders to trade Derek Carr yeah. after trading for Devontae Adams. But if someone made them an offer they couldn't refuse, maybe they wouldn't refuse it. Deshaun Watson would be untradeable right now just because he was just traded, and it would be a gigantic cap charge to, to move that contract. Although, yeah, it would be. Um, but but Matt Ryan. I, I think anything can happen. Yeah, Ryan's not going to get retraded. But any of the guys who haven't been traded yet, this offseason. It's weird that we're even having that conversation. Yeah. Gee, the only guys who wouldn't be traded are the guys who have already been traded <laughs> yeah. once this offseason. And Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. I'd put Joe Burrow in there, too. But, but the, yeah. the Russell Wilson trade shows us everyone is available. And the Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams trades show us that it's not just quarterbacks. And, and I think part of it, too, the mindset of the fan is changing, where maybe players will be more emboldened to try to get out because fans are just starting to accept that that's one of the things that you have to worry about now when it comes to your favorite team. You have to worry about injuries. You have to worry about suspensions. You have to worry about retirement. You have to worry about maybe the guy getting traded. And as more guys get traded, I think the more sensitized fans get to the possibility that their favorite player is going to be gone. And there's really nothing they can do about it. And, Mike, the days, I think, of the Roger Stahlbachs and Troy Aikmans and, and those types of guys staying with their team forever are probably gone. You know, maybe Aaron Rodgers it happens to. Maybe he ends up retiring as a Packer. Who knows? But I think for the most part, those days are gone, and we're going to see players change teams, big-name players, Hall of Fame players. They aren't going to stay with one team for their entire career. That's just not the way that, that teams do business and players do business anymore, and it is a business on both ends. Here's the craziest thing that could still happen, and I don't think there's any way it does happen. No, there's no way it happens. Is there a way it happens? Here's the craziest thing we'll that could still it. happen. Kyler, I'm trying to figure out whether or not there's any way in hell it would happen. Kyler Murray for Dak Prescott, but there's no way in hell that would happen. That would be the fall out of your chair. I mean, because the Cowboy, wouldn't he love to play for the Cowboys? He's never lost in that yeah, stadium. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, he would absolutely love it. I thought you were going to go Kyler Murray for, for Lamar Jackson. I thought you were going to go that direction for, for that trade. But yeah, Kyler would absolutely love coming home to play back in AT&T Stadium. There's no doubt about that. It'll never happen, but I, I, Kyler would obviously love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the cap charge here real quickly, and I think they restructured this year too, which would make it even more crippling if they would trade him before June 1. It would have to be a post-June 1 trade because we're talking about a ridiculous cap charge because they reduced his salary down to $1.6 million. They took the rest of it and made it a signing bonus. If they would do it now, it would be – it would be disastrous for the Cowboys cap. It can't be done. It's not going to be done. So we'll wildly speculate about other things. But we don't need to speculate about much today because we have some sound from Tyreek Hill arriving in Miami. Let's begin with Tyreek Hill talking about the quarterback he traded for Patrick Mahomes. He gets to Otago Bailoa. Here's Hill's thoughts on his new QB. Well, Tua is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, man. So just his ball placement, you know, getting us the ball in space, you know, perfect placement, you know, and us just utilizing our speed, you know, um, utilizing our best asset, you know, and that's just being dangerous. He already understands what it's going to be in Miami. It's not going to be run down the field and have the ball meet him 60 yards later. It's going to be get the ball in space and then turn on the Jets. So it's going to be – more running after the catch, less running before the catch. And when you choose Miami, I mean, they, they, know, they know the drill. They know the routine. Ty, uh, there's a fundamental difference between Tua and Patrick Mahomes. There's a fundamental difference between most quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can get the ball to any blade of grass on the field, so the defense must defend every blade of grass on the field. Tua is going to get it in the hands of Jalen Waddell or Tyree Kill or Raheem Mostert or Chase Edmonds or whoever, and then they're going to – take off with it and Hill as good as any now or ever with taking that ball and disappearing if you give him any opening underneath in the backfield wherever you get the ball in his hands 
I don't think that there is a player that's going to go into 2022 under more pressure than Tua because they've now given him some of the best weapons in the NFL. And if you can't get it done with these weapons, with this offensive line, which they've done a great job of rebuilding, with this head coach who has shown that he's a really good offensive coordinator and knows how to call plays, if he can't get it done this year, then they're going to be back probably in the trade market, Mike, in the offseason looking for a new quarterback or back in the trade market in the draft looking for a new quarterback because he's going to be under immense pressure to get it done. You have to win with this group of receivers, this group of running backs, and with this offensive line. There are no excuses anymore for Tua. Yeah, and that is the key. You know, you could look at it as they're doing everything they can to boost Tua, or you can look at it as they're eliminating every excuse for Tua. It's the No Excuses Tour 2022, and Tua, if he stinks, is going to be gone because he can't say, I didn't have the blocking. They went out and got Teron Armstead. He can't say I didn't have running backs. They went out and got Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. Can't say I didn't have receiver. These are the best receiver the Dolphins have had since the Marks brothers, yeah. Clayton and Duper in the 80s. Yeah. And if they can't get it done with them, they got to go find a Dan Marino next year, Shereen. Yeah, Mike, and, and I'll say this, you know, there aren't many trades that work out to be win-wins. And I would argue that the Stefan Diggs is one of the trade from Minnesota to Buffalo is one of those rare ones where we go, hey, both teams won in this. And the reason that both teams won obviously was because the Vikings drafted Justin Jefferson and didn't miss a beat. So I would argue that was a win-win. This, to me, has the potential to be a lose-lose. And it all depends on how Tua plays, and it depends on how, who the Chiefs draft. But I think that Tyreek Hill is going to miss Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are going to miss Tyreek Hill. This has the potential to be a lose-lose type trade or a draw, Mike, and not be a win for either team. It can be a win-win for the Chiefs, though, if they find a really fast guy in the draft yep. who develops quickly. And there are so many great receivers coming out every year. One of the things we said after the scouting combine with all those guys running four threes, hey, bad news for the veteran receivers because you got young, cheap guys coming in. And from the Chiefs' perspective, I just think we haven't heard the whole, heard the whole story. I know of at least one team that did its due diligence on Tyreek Hill and said a little bit too much of a diva for our liking, a little too much of a problem for the Chiefs recently. Not off-field, just – Locker room, entitlement, big money, wanted really, really big money, and he got really, really big money. There was a team at, out there that was willing to do it. But it could be a lose-lose. It could be a win-win. We don't know. That's part of the fun of this. We have no idea how Hill yeah. is going to be incorporated into the Dolphins, and we have no idea what the Chiefs are going to do moving forward. But, you know, Shereen, here's something Sims and I agreed on earlier today. Even though we both think Tyree Kill is a better receiver than Devontae Adams, we feel better about yeah. the Chiefs without Hill than we do about the Packers without Adams. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know, I probably agree with you. And, and I don't know why I agree with you. I just look at the Chiefs and maybe they have a little more talent overall. I don't know. But I, I do agree with you that I like the Chiefs better uh, without Tyreek Hill. Although, with the, what those teams in the AFC West have done... I don't know about that, but the Packers obviously have an easier route just because of who they play within the division. I would still pick the Packers to win their division no matter what else they do now. I don't know that I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win that division right now based on what all these other teams have done. I really like the moves that these other three teams have made. That's going to be a hard division to pick who you really like in it to win it. One of the reasons we wait until the day the season starts to make our picks for division winners, wild cards, playoff tree, etc., there's still a lot of offseason left. We've got a draft. We've got lower tiers of free agency. We've got other trades that can happen. We've got injuries that inevitably will occur during free, during free agency, during the training camp and preseason period. So it's still subject to change. As much as it's changed yeah. this month, the NFL is still subject to more change, most prominently with the draft. Here's Tyreek Hill on his new head coach. And I can't imagine coaches that would be more different than Andy Reid and Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Here's Tyreek Hill on the guy who will be calling the shots for Hill and his teammates moving forward. He's probably 
the funniest head coach I've ever met in my life. You know, he's, he's, he's a dope guy, a fun guy to be around. I can tell that already, and his energy is contagious. You know, so I'm, I'm excited. You know, the way he was telling me he was going to get me the ball, that's always exciting for a receiver. But, like, my biggest thing is, like, his whole message off the field, man, Tyreek, just be you, man. He kind of sounded like Shrek a little bit. He was like, just be you, Reed. Just be you, Reed. And that's all I can ask for, man. I, I, I coach to have my back off the field, man. So he went to bat for me, and I know every all 90 guys on this roster going to go to bat, even though I know 90 can't be on there, but. You know, everybody gonna go, everybody gonna go to bat for him. So excited to play for the guy, man. He is a little different, man. Like he's a younger coach, man. So he he has a lot of energy, you know. So I'm I'm not used to like I'm not used to that. That's all I'm gonna say. He's a young coach with a lot of energy. It's kind of fitting. Tyree Kill goes from a coach built like Shrek to a coach who sounds like Shrek. So uh, it, it's and I like how he corrected himself on the 90 man roster thing. Yeah, 37 yeah. of those guys aren't going to be working here when week one rolls around. They're going to be politely asked to pack their things and leave. But I like the enthusiasm from Tyreek Hill. That's the attitude he needs to have. And it's hard not to have that attitude when you're getting $72.2 million guaranteed as a practical matter. It's not fully guaranteed at signing. But the only way they can avoid getting the 72-2 is to cut him after one year at 52.535. So either way, he's going to have a good couple of years. He's either getting 52.535 million for the next two years or 72-2 for the next three years. It's good to be Tyreek Hill right now. And that's a huge investment. I mean, think about it. Wherever the Chiefs were, they weren't where the Dolphins are. So the Dolphins not only were willing to pay a lot more, but also give up all that stuff to get him. That, that, that just underscores this nutty NFL that we're currently residing in, where a team will pay a guy more than the team that currently employs him and give up all that stuff to get him, even though they don't know him at all. Boy, it's so changed, Mike. And, you know, who wouldn't want to go to Miami? No state income tax. We know what the weather's like. It's certainly way better than Kansas City, especially in December and January when the Dolphins hope to be playing playoff games at home. And he lives there in the off season, So all those things added up to send him to Miami. And I know he is happy, and the Dolphins are happy. And Dolphins fans, one of whom lives in my house, are very, very happy right now with Tyree Kill. And I, he is going to be an upgrade. He's going to help Jalen Waddle. He's going to help that entire receiving core. We'll see what happens to Devontae Parker, who could be traded. Teams have called about his availability, including the Eagles, according to a Miami Herald report today. So we'll see what happens to that receiving core. But it looks really good on paper right now. And Tyree Kill is just going to make them better, Mike. Yeah, and uh, look, if I was a Dolphins fan, and I know Dolphins fans are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I don't care. It wouldn't be the first time. It won't be the last either. I would have a sense of foreboding that what can go wrong will go wrong, mm-hmm. that something about this is too good to be true because we've been waiting 50 years to win another Super Bowl, and we've been waiting 20-plus years for another Dan Marino, and they're barely relevant. It's just every so often. And also, look around the division. Look around the conference, even with Tyreek Hill. Is this Dolphins team truly ready to make noise right out of the gates? And maybe they will. Maybe Mike McDaniel will be a wizard. And the talent is there. The defense, very good. And they kept defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. So the defense could be what it was last year. Now, yeah, you don't have Brian Flores there, a defensive guru, to help, help it do some of the things it did last year. But still... You've got the coordinator. You've got the pieces. Now you've got Mike McDaniel running the offense. You've got Tyreek Hill. You've added some guys in free agency. Jalen Waddell really came on late last year. It could get very exciting. It came down to the Dolphins and the Jets for Tyreek Hill. The Jets had a deal in place with the Chiefs. The Dolphins got involved. Hill ultimately chose the Dolphins. My understanding is it was close. Now the decision's been made. And now that Tyreek Hill is playing for the Dolphins and the Jets are a division rival, I don't think Hill is going to make it sound like he almost went to the Jets. Here he is earlier today, not making it sound like he almost went to the Jets. How close was I? Who? The Jets? Uh, nah, man. Look, man, it's, it's a lot. Of, I, I'm, I don't even want to get into all that. I knew I was going to pick Miami no matter what, man. Because, like I say, I'm basically from here, dog. I'm here all the time, man. Like, this is home for me, for us. So, Remember on March 12, Shireen, and I know that it's hard to sort through the things that happened in this crazy-ass month, 
We saw the tweet from Tyreek Hill that we thought was maybe a precursor to doing a deal because at the time, the most recent reports were they were talking about an extension. And I looked into it and, no, nothing on an extension. And when you look at it now, it kind of feels like a goodbye, even though it was before the Devontae Adams trade. And Drew Rosenhaus said on 790, the ticket, I believe, in Miami today that – the Devontae Adams trade changed everything. That tweet that you see on the screen, if you're watching on Peacock, and if you are, thank you very much, that caused Shireen and I to kick around the idea of whether or not there was an extension coming. I looked into it. I learned there wasn't, so we just let it be. But I was reminded of it yesterday, and I thought, when I looked at it, hey, that's, yeah. a, that's a goodbye. We came a long way, Chiefs Kingdom. Thank you, etc. It's not the Baker Mayfield Unabomber Manifesto. But it's it's not not that it was quite the only manifesto this offseason came from Eric Burkhardt on behalf of Kyler Murray. But there's something now when you see that and you know what's going on that maybe Tyree Kill knew in his heart that it just wasn't going to happen with the Chiefs and he was going to end up leaving. Yeah, I mean, you know, I texted you because right away it looked like something was going on. Is he close to a new contract? And trade didn't really enter my mind. And I guess it should have knowing he was going into the last year of his deal and maybe the chiefs wouldn't want to pay that but yeah and now looking back on it it's obvious that he was sort of saying goodbye to the chiefs thinking that he probably was headed a different direction as it turned out he did and he got a great deal from the dolphins gets a chance to go in the the warm sunny weather where he makes his offseason home i mean what could be better for tyreek hill and the dolphins right now but you know the chiefs will move on and they'll be fine they'll find a replacement and Patrick Mahomes will, will end up being Patrick Mahomes. He's still got Travis Kelsey there with him, Mike. And in hindsight, in hindsight, I have a regret. Because looking at that tweet, learning at the time that an extension wasn't imminent, what I would have done, what I should have done, what I could have done was seized on that tweet and said, hey, folks, you could interpret this as maybe a goodbye. Are these extension talks not going well? Something's odd about this. And I'm not going to make any excuses. The 12th was a Saturday. I, I may not have been plugged into the matrix at the time the way I ordinarily am, or it may just not have fired properly because I had other stuff going on. But in hindsight, if I would have posted that yeah. story, of course, you know what would have happened. All the Chiefs fans, oh, yeah. they would have come out of the woodwork. You're just trying to cause trouble. You're, this is clickbait. Didn't you say you were going to retire if Tyreek Hill ever played in the NFL again? It would have been one after another after another. So I'd like to say I thought about it and decided I just didn't feel like dealing with that SH-T on a Saturday night. <laughs> but that's not the truth. The truth is I never went down that path. You said, hey, does yeah. this mean there's an extension? I found out it didn't, and I moved on. And I said I wish I hadn't. Yeah, and, and it never never even crossed my mind that, that maybe he would be traded. And I guess in the crazy world of the NFL this year, that should have been the first thing and not the extension talks that he has an extension with the Chiefs. But, hey, where's he headed? Because this has to mean he's being traded. So now from now on, players, if you tweet something like that, we're just going to assume it means you're going elsewhere. Yeah, any expression of gratitude for the team that you have spent at least four seasons, maybe three, (laughs) we are going to interpret that to mean it is goodbye, and we reserve the right to create a story based on that to cover our ass in the event that you do get traded. Then it looks like we were ahead of the curve. All right, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling agrees to a three-year deal today with the Chiefs, reportedly worth $30 million. Scantling had 26 catches 430 yards and three touchdowns last year. That ain't a bad ten million a year ain't bad for those kind of numbers. Uh, and you know he he had moments. He had flashes with the Packers. He was never a high end receiver. I don't think he steps in as the number one guy there. And it may be there is no number one guy. Maybe Travis Kelsey is the number one guy for the Chiefs in 2022. But you know this is one fault that I have with the Packers because I think that the Chiefs knew they were losing Tyree Kill and they went out and pounced on Juju Smith Schuster. I think once the Packers knew that they were going to lose Devontae Adams or they feared that this was going to happen, they should have gotten Marquez Valdez-Scantling signed. And if Aaron Rodgers is upset about anything, he should be upset about that. Oh, absolutely, Mike, because, you know, I agree that the Chiefs probably overpaid based on what he did in, in Green Bay, but the Packers needed him probably more than the Chiefs need him 
And it does make that Chiefs receiving core better than what it was yesterday after they traded Tyree Kill. So, yes, the Packers absolutely should have done what it took to sign him again to get him back in the fold because, shoot, he would have been their top receiver at this point. Now they're, they are receiver needy. There's no question about that. I assume they'll be looking in the draft to draft one, and I assume they'll be looking to add some free agents or maybe even make a trade. Maybe we go back there. Maybe there's a trade for somebody, and the Packers end up with, with a good receiver in a trade. Yeah. Uh, well, and they could have had Tyreek Hill again. The, yeah, that that stock certificate have. is very strong. It doesn't. The stock certificate owned by members of the Packers fan base does not cause them to exercise their voice. It causes them to fall in line. They are part of we, and they will support blindly whatever it is that the Packers do because a lot of them said, why would we want Tyreek Hill? Because you just lost Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill's a better player. That's why. All right, uh, Deshaun Watson. This one came out of nowhere today. I I remember two weeks ago after the grand jury took up the nine – criminal complaints at some point I either read or heard or saw that there were 10 at one point but one just kind of went away I think that's what somebody told me like yeah just one didn't show up or something like that nobody said oh one of them was deemed to be not within the jurisdiction of Harris County and it needed to be handled by a prosecutor in another county this thing was just boom dropped out of the sky today and it stunned me Uh, And uh, I'm told that the Browns were aware of it when they traded for Deshaun Watson. It obviously worked out. They heard the complaint today. They decided not to indict on that one additional criminal complaint that was carved out of the Harris County grand jury process 13 days ago. It's just strange that if somebody knew that this was happening, if somebody knew that this was percolating, why didn't we hear about it before today? So there's the statement from... The Brazoria County DA, after a careful and thorough review of the facts and evidence documented in the reports, yada, 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 as well as hearing testimony from witnesses, the grand jury has declined to charge Deshaun Watson with any crimes. That is what Tom Selleck, the Brazoria County District Attorney, moonlighting Tom Selleck is in a statement. He's got three jobs now. He acts, he sells reverse mortgages, and he is the district attorney for Brazoria County, Texas. Very impressive. Renaissance man is Tom Selleck. So the matter is closed. Now, look, Shereen, let me say this again. A prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich if he wants to, and a prosecutor also cannot indict a ham sandwich if he wants to. There's a lot of leeway. There's a lot of leverage. And if somebody really wanted to indict Deshaun Watson, they could have done it. And you know what it comes down to? Do you think you can win the case at trial? Do you think you can prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt? And I think that's been the problem with all of these cases. Number one, is it even a crime? Number two, if it is a crime, can I prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime occurred? Well, Rusty Harden, the attorney for Deshaun Watson, said on March 11th, after Harris County grand jury decided not to indict him, that the criminal investigation investigations have been completed they obviously weren't because then we had this one happen and mike i know they can refile but do you see this now as unless something else comes up that the criminal investigations have been completed barring further evidence barring a a new additional case well it would require a new prosecutor in either county and the new prosecutor would have to want to take up the fight and and the statute of limitations would have to have not run. So I think at the state level, it's unlikely. The feds, one thing to remember there, and Tony Busby, who represents the 22 women who are suing Deshaun Watson, a year or so ago when this all got started, he tried to instigate talk of federal charges for bringing people across state lines for illicit illicit sexual purposes. And there was talk at one point about the FBI investigating and looking into it, and it was downplayed. It never went anywhere. But the feds don't tell you. They don't telegraph their moves. They just do it. So that's still possibly out there. But it looks like the Browns did what they think is enough to come to a confident conclusion that nothing further is going to happen. And if they're wrong, somebody's getting fired. If they're wrong, somebody should not have a job because – Somebody gave Jimmy Haslam a pretty positive report about Deshaun Watson's legal fortunes. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten a gigantic fortune, a literal fortune, $230 million fully guaranteed. So that 
agreement in and of itself to pay Deshaun Watson tells me that the Browns are, are comfortable with where this is going to go. And that if they're wrong, there's somebody who has a job in security with the Browns who shouldn't have that job, Shereen. Well, and Mike, they are bracing, I'm sure, for a suspension. And for all those Browns fans I've seen on Twitter who say, no, he served a suspension last year. That wasn't a suspension. He was on the active roster. Now, they made him inactive for every game, but that's not a suspension. He was paid his $10 million. I believe he will be suspended. Ben Roethlisberger and Ezekiel Elliott, similar situations. They both got originally six games each. I think he will be suspended, Mike, and I think they are probably bracing for that. How quickly do you think the NFL will decide on what his suspension will be? Well, the NFL does not like to do anything until it has to. And I see three potential outcomes here. And there could be more, but these are the three approaches the NFL could take. One, the NFL could take action now and suspend him now, notwithstanding the 22 pending cases. He gets his punishment now based upon what the NFL knows, and the 22 cases go forward. And whatever happens with the 22 cases, the NFL has concluded the matter. Suspension served and everything else is between Deshaun Watson and the civil justice system. That's one way to handle it. The other way to handle it is to not do anything at all until the 22 cases are over. And you could argue that the fair thing to do is wait and see what happens. Because at the end of the day, Shireen, if the 22 cases ultimately are won, each and every one of them, if they're ultimately won by Deshaun Watson and he wasn't charged with any crime, what has he done wrong? What should he be suspended for? What, what rules did he violate of common society if he ultimately has no criminal or civil responsibility? That's at the other extreme. They can wait until the end. And if he settles, then you suspend him. If he doesn't, if he wins, then who knows what you do. But you wait until the very end to make a decision. The other thing they can do is they can give him a preliminary suspension, six games now, and reserve the right to do more later based upon what happens with the 22 cases. I have a weird feeling that that could be the winner, that that could be the way to go. Yeah. However, however, here's what I think the NFL wants to avoid, and this is why they do paid leave. This is the, this is the, this is the so I guess there's four categories, because this is the other one that I think could happen. And if I talk long enough, I'll come mm-hmm. up with a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. I think there's a chance <laughs> the NFL could say yeah. in late July, because the NFL doesn't like to tip its hand until it has to. It doesn't like to act until it has to. The NFL could say, that you're going on paid leave until these cases are resolved. And then after they're resolved, we reserve the right to punish you based upon the outcome of the cases. So you're not playing, and you're going to continue to get paid. And in the NFL's eyes, guys getting paid to not play is not punishment. We went through that back in 2014. Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, Adrian Peterson, those three controversies all coming at about the same time caused the NFL to hatch this idea that, you know what, here – we're not comfortable with the idea of a player who is facing serious charges who hasn't been proven guilty. This isn't about the presumption of innocence. This is just it's not a good look for us to have that guy playing football and have our broadcast partners have to say Deshaun Watson, who has 22 pending civil lawsuits against him, drops back to pass. They don't want that. They don't think it's punishment to not let a guy play football because he still gets paid. And the point I made at the time, and I still believe to this day, for most people, yeah, it's not punishment if they get a paid vacation because they hate their job. Their job sucks. But for football players, they want to play football. So it is punishment to keep them from playing. But that's, that's one thing to keep an eye on. If he doesn't settle these cases, the NFL could say, you're not playing until these cases are over. And I'm not sure that Watson's camp really appreciates that risk. Well, and at that point, Mike, doesn't he settle the cases if he goes on the commissioner's exempt list? Wouldn't he just say, okay, let's settle this and get this out of the way? Here's the problem. Tony Busby, if that happens, puts not just his thumb on the scale. He puts both thumbs, the other eight fingers, the palms of his hands, his elbows, his shoulders, and the rest of his body on the scale. Because that's what happens when you get into civil litigation. People say, well, that's not how it should be. When you settle a case, it should be an approximation of what that case actually would be worth, what a jury could be. No, 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 no. Every factor drives the value of a settlement. And if you've got a quarterback who is prevented from playing until these cases are resolved, all of a sudden 
those cases are much more expensive to settle. It's one of the reasons why the cases didn't get settled back at the trade deadline. Tony Busby caught wind of, of why Deshaun Watson was trying to settle these cases, that if he settles them all, he gets a trade and he goes and plays football. And I think that's what caused just enough of the plaintiffs to say, nah, we're not ready to do this. Or if we do it, we want a lot more than what you're willing to offer. Even if we said we would have taken that amount before we realized what's happening here. That's why if the NFL does it, it puts him in a very, very difficult situation. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Right, wrong doesn't matter here. When you have that lawsuit and the other side is motivated to make that lawsuit go away and you know it's like anything else, motivated buyer, reluctant seller, and you got somebody who who really wants to make this happen, good business means you squeeze them for everything it's worth. That's capitalism. That's negotiation. And that is very, very prevalent in the legal profession. I'll be very interested when that schedule comes out, Mike, because – I'm sure the NFL has an idea of what it's going to do, right? So when that schedule comes out, are they going to punish the Browns? Or are they going to have them playing, say, the Bengals, and I don't even know who else is on their schedule outside the division, but the first six games really loaded with high-quality teams as, as an additional punishment for the team? That'll be interesting to watch. Peter King and I argued about that last week when it looked like Deshaun Watson was going to go to the NFC South. And there's an article we have on PFT from 2010. The Why am I blanking on the name of the guy who makes the schedule? Howard Katz was on with Chris Mad Dog Russo. Yeah. And the Steelers' first primetime game was the week after Ben Roethlisberger's six-game suspension ended. And Russo was very skeptical about that, that, that they did that on purpose, that Howard Katz knew that the suspension was coming and factored that in, and Katz said, that's not relevant to me. Uh, Peter seems to think it will be relevant, but uh, we'll see. But the Browns know going in. It's not about 2022. This is a 10-year play. I think they take whatever comes their way this year. But the worst-case scenario is he doesn't play at all this year, and then he gets a suspension next year if he's stubborn about settling these cases. Bottom line is I think he'd be very smart to sell the cases. We'd be very smart to take a break because we're already about 38 minutes in to this hour, and we've got plenty more to talk about when we return. Kyler Murray explains his social media scrub and talks about his commitment to the Arizona Cardinals. More PFTPM right after this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an Arizona Cardinal, you know, uh, I've done nothing but, you know, give my all to, to, the, to the Cardinals, so I would continue to do that, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not really too worried about What's my future at the Cardinals. Scrubbing of the Instagram account on purpose, or is that, how did that happen? No, that was, that was, that, like I said, that was, that was, if, if you're a kid my age, you know, like, you're used to, like, people take off all that, like, that's just a thing, and, uh, Honestly, like I said, there, there was I took everything off besides one picture, so it wasn't it had nothing to do with the Cardinals um, or anything like that. Well, you know what? I exercise my prerogative to call BS on anyone, any place, anytime, anywhere, and I love Kyler Murray, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Kids his age send messages by those gestures. Those gestures mean everything to kids that age and it's the only thing it could have meant he was upset with the cardinals and there is friction there is tension i know enough and i've heard enough that there's an issue and it boils down to not just are the cardinals ready to pay him but how much and there is a huge gap that can now exist between what a young franchise quarterback wants and what that team is willing to pay and i know there is frustration and there is downright anger about the perception that the cardinals are being cheap in their approach to kyler murray so there is something there And I don't expect him to come out and say it. First of all, Kyler Murray seems like a guy who is very quiet, reluctant, and shy. And I was exactly that way when I was his age. So I can understand why he wouldn't want to talk about any of it. And now he was forced into a position where he had to talk about it. And sometimes you have to not tell the truth for strategic reasons. This is not a situation where you're bearing false witness and you're going to burn in hell because the last thing he's going to do is stand there and say, Arizona doesn't value me, and if they don't pay me, they're going to have a problem, and I'm going to be gone. There are certain settings where you can't say that to the world because it's not good for anybody if you say it. So, Shireen, my big takeaway from that doesn't change anything that I think, and I still no. think that one of, these, one of these days between now and the draft, we could be talking for the full hour about what impact Kyler Murray will have on his new team and what the Cardinals will be doing at quarterback moving forward. 
Well, Eric Burkhart, like, just look at the facts. Eric Burkhart, his agent, issued that lengthy statement about Kyler needs to be paid and his value to the Cardinals and all of that sort of stuff and looking for that long-term deal. Number two, Kyler had plenty of time between the time of scrubbing his, his accounts, knowing what happened on Twitter and everywhere else with people talking about it and speculating about his future. He had an opportunity for weeks to respond to say, guys, I'm just a kid. I'm, this is what we do. It, it, it means nothing. Don't read anything into it. He didn't do that. So he obviously had intentions and there was meaning when he scrubbed his account. And number three, Eric Burkhart came back in recent days and said, uh, appeared to question what the Cardinals are doing this offseason, not helping their quarterback. He did that after the Devontae Adams trade. So put all that together. And yes, what Kyler Murray said today is absolutely meaningless, Mike. He wants his contract. He wants to be one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. And the Cardinals at this point, I guess, don't believe that. Now, I know they've said it takes a long time to put these contracts together, and it does. But I'll say this, Mike. You have to have concerns about how he has played at the end of 2020 and at the end of 2021. And it just seems like some of those hits have taken their toll on Kyler Murray at the end of seasons. Can he play an entire season and be healthy and lead your team to where you need to go? I think that's still a question. Well, and that would be why the Cardinals don't want to give him the kind of money that he's looking for. Eric Burkhardt's position, if you look at his Twitter page, it would be clear that these quarterbacks are worth more and more money, and the market has changed dramatically. The Aaron Rodgers deal, even though it's not a true long-term contract, it's got a new money average of $61.9 million. So that, that takes – the 45 from Patrick Mahomes and pushes it up dramatically. Then you've got the Deshaun Watson deal. Five years fully guaranteed at $46 million a year with everything he's got hovering over him and the fact that the Browns had to give up multiple first round and multiple second round picks to get him. If you're Kyler Murray and if you're Eric Burkhart, you're feeling pretty good about what you eventually get. And if you're not going to get it from the Cardinals, you're going to get it from someone else. This is the ramification of the NFL where you have teams out there that will say, yes, we will give significant trade assets for Kyler Murray. Yes, we will pay more money to Kyler Murray than you will. And the only question is whether or not the Cardinals fall in that Chiefs, Packers, Seahawks camp where they say, fine, if you want him, you got him. You pay him and you give us all that stuff. So this isn't over. Not by a long shot. And Kyler Murray was in a position today. It looks like he was at some event. He got microphones in his face. He was in a must-lie situation. I don't fault him for that because he's not going to come out and say what's really going on. You can't. It's not good for anybody for him to come out and say, I'm really pissed off that the Cardinals haven't made me a fair offer. I'm really pissed off that we're this far along in the offseason and I haven't gotten my reward. And they're apparently going to make me go another year before I get what I've already earned when all these other guys are getting paid and all these other guys are getting traded if they're not happy. Well, I'm not getting paid and I'm not happy, so why don't I get traded? He's not going to come out and say that. doesn't mean he's not thinking it, right. and it doesn't mean it's not what's going on behind the scenes. All right, what's going on behind the scenes here is they're telling me we got to take a break. We have, when we return, whether or not the Dolphins now have the best receiving duo in the NFL, that and more in a game of take your pick when PFTPM continues right after this. You talked with um, Jalen Waddle yet, compared notes on how you two can team up and abuse secondaries. You know what? Um, I actually DM'd him last night, you know, just for his phone number. You know, I had to get his number. I was supposed to be calling him, but it's, it's like so much has been going on today, man. And like, it's like crazy. Like, it's, I'm like, trying to take it all in at once. But believe me, once I, I'm able to sit down, I'm going to talk to him. We're going to chop it up. we even going to get a few workouts in. Maybe even a race, man. Because, hey, wherever I go to Cheetah, he always got to prove he's the fastest on the team no matter what. I mean that. Tyreek Hill, ready to race anyone and everyone. But you know what? Those races never happen. Wasn't he going to race Usain Bolt and that never happened? It's very yeah, easy right. to say you're going to race everybody and never do it. I mean, he's fast. That's fine. I could say it too. I'll race anybody. As long as it never actually happens, no one can ever prove that they're faster than me. So, uh, although uh, I'm not quite <laughs> as confident as Tyreek Hill would be if it actually happened. It, it, would be, it would be much easier to call my bluff than it would be to call his bluff. All right. Best 
receiver duo currently in the NFL based upon the recent trades? Who would you put in that category, Shereen? Well, I do like the Dolphins, but I'm going to go with the Rams simply because I think Cooper Cup had maybe, per, arguably, the greatest season in NFL history for a receiver last year. 145 catches, almost 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns. It was just an outstanding year, and he continued that into the postseason. So you've got to put him right up there in the top two or three receivers along with Don, uh, Devontae Adams and with Tyreek Kill as one of the top receivers in the NFL. And then they just obtained Allen Robinson, obviously. And he's going to play with the best quarterback he's ever played with. 14 touchdowns in 2015 when he made his only Pro Bowl. In 2020, he had 102 catches for over 1,200 yards and six touchdowns. So I think that's the best receiving duos. But there's quite a few of them now in the NFL. The way this is framed is best WR duo in the NFL. If it was just best pass-catching duo, I'd be tempted to say Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, the tight end in Las Vegas, and obviously Adams, the new number one receiver. As it relates to two wide receivers, I like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but I want a better quarterback there. It's kind of hard to be the best receiving duo without a high-end quarterback. I'll go Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I think Thielen's got a couple more years left before he starts to decline. Justin Jefferson is entering the front end of his prime. And I think in that offense, with Kevin O'Connell incorporating the Rams offense, Kirk Cousins, if they can protect him a little bit more, I think that Jefferson and Thielen could be the best this year. Which quarterback is most annoyed by their team's offseason moves? Shireen, who do you have? Well, judging by Eric Burkhart's tweet last Friday, I would say Kyler Murray probably is. But I think Dak Prescott should be when you look at all of the Cowboys' losses, specifically on offense. I mean, he's lost Amari Cooper and Lyle Collins, two of his very best friends and two of the best players on that Cowboys' offense. Connor Williams, Blake Jarwin, Cedric Wilson, Randy Gregory. Yes, they signed James Washington. Yes, they signed Dante Fowler. But this, to me, looks like a lesser talented team than it was last season at this point. And I realize the Cowboys have drafted great in recent years. Tip of the hat to what they've done. Uh, But as of right now today, Mike, they have not made enough moves to improve that roster. Now, if we're talking about quarterbacks who are annoyed by moves relating to them, (laughs) Taylor Heineke would be an obvious person to be miffed because he was kicked to the curb by Washington as a practical matter, even though he's still under contract. And Baker Mayfield, obviously annoyed by what's happened in Cleveland. That's a given. (laughs) But uh, as it relates to other moves, I I think it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. After all this buildup, after the new contract, and after him saying, I don't want to be part of a rebuilding effort, and the receiving core is in shambles, and they mishandled it. They could have re-signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling before trading Devontae Adams. They could have kept Devontae Adams. They could have offered Devontae Adams a major contract during the 2021 season and avoided him even getting to the point where he became determined to get to the Raiders. You leave the door open by not getting it done. That's where the Packers screwed this up. It's very easy for Adams to say, now, well, Derek Carr and I spent time in the offseason trying to figure out how to make this happen. If you put an offer in front of Devontae Adams before he gets a chance to talk to Derek Carr, before he gets a chance to consider what it's going to be like to work somewhere else. It never happens. That, that's, that's where the Packers effed this up. So I'd say Aaron Rodgers. Which quarterback that was traded will benefit the most from a fresh start, Shereen? I'm going to go with Matt Ryan simply because he's a former league MVP, Mike. 2017 was the last time he had a winning record or his team had a winning record with him as a starter. 2016 was his last Pro Bowl, and, of course, he was MVP and the all-pro quarterback that season. But this is just a huge upgrade in talent. Colts had the most uh, Pro Bowlers in the NFL last season. They have a good offensive line, much better than Atlanta. They have a good running game, much better than Atlanta. He threw too many passes over the last three seasons. He'll throw less passes this season, and I will predict he will be more effective. Um, Well, I'll go Deshaun Watson, assuming that he truly gets a fresh start. And the fresh start means settle the cases, take your punishment, have your reckoning, and then move on. He'll benefit on the field and off the field from doing that. And I still continue to believe there's an element of stubbornness, stridence, and extreme confidence that he's going to win these 22 cases. And I'm sorry, 22 is too many for me to say that nothing happened here. It's all one big misunderstanding or it's some grand conspiracy or something like that. 22 
not two, 22. It's hard to get a reasonable person of average intelligence, which I may not be reasonable, but I'll, I'll, at, least, I'll at least say I've got average intelligence, to say that 22 means, yeah, you're going to go to court and you're going to win all of them. He's going to have a hard time. He needs to do the right thing, put these behind him and move on. We need to move on. We got some questions to answer when this Thursday edition of PFTPM wraps up right after this. All right, let's wrap up this edition of PFTPM with a few questions from the mailbag. Uh, and, uh, you know, as always, it's a Twitter handle I can't make out. Something that begins with a J. J. Sam Saya Dig. That's the closest I can. And I always wonder. <laughs> I always wonder. What is it, means. it is it is it? Am I going to be like Mo Sislak with Bart Simpson on the other end of the phone yelling out uh-huh. to the bar? You know, hey, I got a phone call. But... Never mind. All right. With the Bengals upgraded O-line, what should they be looking for in the draft? Shereen, any thoughts? Well, it, they're seriously in a position to go best player available. And you say that every draft, but teams have needs and they address those. The Bengals, to me, look like that team that can truly go best player available. But Bill Parcells always had the, the mantra of you draft offensive linemen and defensive linemen and you can't have enough of them. So anybody along that line who is the highest available at that point. Yeah, I agree. And look, just because they signed three offensive linemen doesn't need they it doesn't mean they don't need more help. Get the best offensive lineman that you can. Eduardo Hawk at 20. Which quarterback do you think will be available for the Steelers, Shireen? I don't know that any are going to be there at 20. They're going to have to move up if they want one, Mike, because as we know, quarterbacks always go higher than they probably should just because teams need them and they're going to trade up to get them. If they want one of those guys, they better be ready to trade up to get him. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And we've seen the Steelers trade up in the past on multiple occasions for guys they really liked in round one. They did it with Troy Polamalu 19 years ago. They did it with Santonio Holmes in 2006, I believe the year was. And also they did it with Devin Bush. And Polamalu and Holmes worked out, although Holmes ultimately didn't work out in Pittsburgh. He was a Super Bowl MVP. So I'd say for the most part, that move worked out for the Steelers. But absolutely, quarterbacks are going to get overdrafted. The draft experts can say, well, this year the quarterback, it doesn't matter. Teams need quarterbacks. Panthers need a quarterback. Steelers need a long-term answer. They went 20 years between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger. They can't let that happen again. All right, let's see what else we can jam in here before we're out of time. Sean Alvishire, do you think the Dolphins' sudden win-now attitude is related to the Flores lawsuit, specifically the charges of paying him to lose games? I'll say quickly it has nothing to do with it. Do you think it has anything to do with it? Well, they set it up to be good this year and to go into free agency with the money that they had, Mike. So I, I don't think it has anything to do with the lawsuit. It's a win now if attitude all else now. Fails, If all else fails, the team will be worth more when Stephen Ross is forced to sell it when he's found to be guilty of the charges <laughs> Brian Flores made. That's it. We're out of time. See you tomorrow morning. Bye.